0: Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with your host, Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about the cost of cancer care in the United States with Dr. Carrie Gross and MD-PhD student Ryan Chow. Dr. Gross is a professor of medicine and of epidemiology at the Yale School of Medicine, where Dr. Chagpar is a professor of
1: surgical oncology.
2: Carrie, maybe we'll start off with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what it is you do?
1: I'm a primary care doctor and a researcher in the area of cancer outcomes and cancer effectiveness research. So I was a chief resident at at a major cancer center many years ago, and uh, I was always interested in primary care, not necessarily in being an oncologist. But while I was there at the cancer center, uh, I noticed that uh, obviously all of the patients had cancer. I knew where I was. Uh, But also, many of the patients were being um, admitted in the context of a clinical trial, and I noticed that many of the patients did not have other health problems Most of the patients had cancer, but as a primary care doc, I was looking around and asking, "Geez, where are the patients with diabetes and emphysema and uh, other chronic health, health issues?" Similarly, it just seemed as though many of the patients were, aside from their cancer, relatively healthier, and on the younger side, you know, many of, of our patients were, you know 50, 60 years old. Um, and bottom line, in the real world, patients with cancer are, are often older and sicker than they are in, in clinical research studies. And, and that insight, um, uh, which occurred to me over the course of my, my clinical training, has really spurred the rest of my research uh, in the sense of trying to understand what happens in the real world when uh, drugs or tests or, you know, kind of imaging modalities such as new mammograms or CAT scans or what have you, what happens when uh, things that look like they are really potentially groundbreaking and helpful in the clinical trial setting, uh, what happens when they're actually used in the real world?
2: Great. And, uh, you know, Carrie and I have been working together for a number of years now, and I know, Carrie, one of your particular interests um, is in the value of cancer care and Cost effectiveness and are we really getting the bang that we need for our buck? And Ryan, I guess this is where you come in. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and about how you met Carrie and, and a bit more about your research.
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm an MD PhD student at Yale. I actually did my PhD recently in cancer genetics and tumor immunology, but uh, throughout the course of my graduate education, I kind of became more interested in understanding the economics of cancer care. Um, And part of that stemmed from the realization that a lot of these new drugs that we're talking about, like immunotherapies, they have these incredibly large price tags. Um, And so I just got interested in understanding, we're paying so much for these drugs, but how much benefit are patients actually getting from them? Um, So I reached out to Dr. Gross um, because I knew of his work, um, particularly with cancer outcome research and economics of cancer care. So yeah, I just reached out to him and we started working together on this project.
2: So Carrie, tell us a little bit more about this recent project that just got published and that really made quite a quite a splash in terms of um, raising awareness about the cost of cancer care and and the relative bang that you get for your buck. Tell us a bit more about the project.
1: Sure. So you know as Warren Buffett says, um, price is what you pay, the value is what you get. And, uh, you know, it's well known that the overall uh, price that we're paying for health care in the United States is is exorbitant. Uh, we're spending, this is for all care, not just cancer care, but we're spending over $4 trillion per year. And in fact, our health expenses are about one fifth of over our overall gross domestic product. So, you know, there's the old saying that the uh, what is it? The business of America is business. You could almost say nowadays the business of America is is healthcare. I mean, it, it's a, it's our largest industry in some by some measures. So the question is, when when we want to focus on cancer for this particular study, first we uh, reached out to a, a long uh, term collaborator, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Bradley, who is now. Uh, actually president uh, of of Vassar College, but also is a health economist and has a long uh, interest and expertise in international comparisons and uh, and, and outcomes. But we wanted to really explore uh, how much are we spending on cancer care in the United States? How does that compare to other countries? And then, that's the first half of the Warren Buffett part, (laughs) how much are we spending? But then more importantly, the value aspect. What are we getting in return? What? Were the uh, How does our cancer mortality at the population level in the U.S. compare to the um, cancer mortality rates in other countries?
2: And so, Ryan, tell us a little bit more about the design of this study and, and the, the sources of data that you used.
3: Yeah, definitely. So, we were primarily interested in comparing the U.S. with other high-income countries. Um, so, first talking about cost. So it turns out there are quite a few organizations out there, such as the OECD, which stands for uh, Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. And so there are these organizations that track total health care spending for different countries. Um, But as Dr. Gross was mentioning, a lot of this data oftentimes isn't cancer specific. So to get to that question of how much cancer care uh, is, you know, how much countries are spending on cancer care, We took a look through the literature. We tried to find out in a given country, what percentage of their total health spending goes towards cancer care. Um, So in the US, it turns out we spend around 5.3% of our total health care spending on cancer, um, but that varies quite a bit across countries. So in Japan, that's actually 7.5% towards cancer care. So bringing those two numbers together, that allows us to estimate, you know, how many how much of uh, our healthcare spending in a given country is dedicated towards cancer. Uh, So that's the cost part of it. Uh, On the mortality side, it's a little bit more complicated, um, particularly because we're trying to compare cancer outcomes across different countries. Um, So what I mean by that is clinicians will commonly refer to five-year survival rates when they're counseling patients. Um, That basically means the percentage of patients that will still be alive five years after an initial diagnosis. And so that's very useful, right? It's, it's great for informing patients of their prognosis. Um, the problem, though, is that it's really difficult to compare these five-year survival rates across countries, and that's because different countries have their own distinct approaches for cancer detection uh, and for screening. So I guess it would be helpful to give um, like an example for this, what I mean by this. Um, so let's say there's this rare hypothetical disease that is untreatable and all patients with this disease will die when they turn 50 years old. Um, If a patient is diagnosed when they turn 40, then we would look at that and say, oh, the survival time is 10 years. But let's say we diagnose this disease as a kid, then the survival might look something like 30 years instead. But the key here is that the underlying disease really hasn't changed at all. The only difference is when we diagnosed it. Um, So, when we look at five-year survival rates across different countries, a country that screens more aggressively is going to detect cancers earlier and that'll lead us to artificially have higher five-year survival rates uh, even though the underlying disease is unchanged. So instead of that, in our study we are looking at population level cancer mortality rates and that basically answers the question in a given year how many people are dying from cancer uh, in a particular country. So Dr. Gross and I discussed this uh, quite extensively and we came to the conclusion that this metric of population-level cancer mortality is much better at sort of encapsulating the effectiveness of all these different cancer-related interventions that we have. So, you know, that would include prevention, screening, and and of course, treatment. Um, And so, setting up now we have the costs, how much do different countries spend on cancer care? Now we're looking at mortality. What is the population level cancer mortality rate? Uh, that gave us all the data that we needed to start crunching the numbers and taking a look at that relationship, if there is any relationship between those two numbers.
2: And so, Carrie, you know, just digging into that a little bit more deeply, um, it's clear, right, that the U.S. spends more on healthcare than any other country, not only in the industrialized world but in the world period by by several. Uh, by By quite a magnitude, and so it 's not surprising to see that they spend more on cancer care. but the one thing that was interesting in what Ryan was saying is that the percentage of that total expenditure of on health care that given countries spend on cancer care may be different. Can you talk a little bit about how that fell when you compared the u s to other countries? Yeah,
1: it's an interesting question and certainly something we want to explore more in further research because there was some variation in how much of the overall health is being spent on cancer care across countries. But overall, it was relatively stable, so there was, a, there was some variation. And we expected to see some variation, for instance, because it's well known that in the U.S., uh, we approve new cancer therapies more quickly than in other countries, Actually, there was just a study published a couple of weeks ago comparing the U.S. and Europe and looking at how quickly uh, new drugs were approved here as opposed to in Europe. And there's actually about a nine-month delay. So they're approved after FDA approval of a new cancer therapy. In the U.S., average delay was about nine months before a typical European country had it approved. But... So there's always a but, at least you know me so well. But um, there isn't necessarily a cause for a victory lap, um, but only if, if the only evidence um, of our system's efficacy is that we're approving drugs more quickly. So the real question is, is whether patients are benefiting. So we, um, uh, we expected there would be some variation in uh, the percent uh, of overall health care being spent on cancer uh primarily because we know that uh there's variation across countries in how quickly new drugs are being approved. There's also variation in how the uh different companies health uh sorry, different <laughs> Freudian slip, how different countries' health systems are um uh established in the sense of allowing them to negotiate with pharmaceutical companies in the sense that in the US there's not really room for negotiation with, with pharma as opposed to uh in, in other countries uh, coverage of new cancer therapies is not necessarily mandated. Uh, uh, for instance, um, uh, 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 certain national health systems could uh, could just say no. If a new therapy is not thought to be producing high value for its population, uh, they may not cover it. And that leverage, which does not exist in the U.S., that lever- leverage can allow for lower prices in other countries. So, yeah, there's uh, plenty of reasons for variation uh, in how much is being spent on cancer. But at the end of the day, we're actually um, a little surprised that there wasn't as much variation in the percent of healthcare um, on cancer as we thought that we would. And I think most of the variation that we've seen uh, in the overall cancer spending probably relates strongly to simply to the overall health spending.
2: And, and did you control for, Ryan, did you control for um, the the fact that different countries may have a, a different cancer burden? In other words, you would expect that countries that have a higher uh, cancer burden, who are diagnosing patients um, more frequently with cancer for whatever reason, whether it's, uh, you know, Uh, levels of obesity or smoking or alcohol or other risk factors or whether there are particular genetic predispositions in a given population. Did you control for the incidence of cancer across these countries?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, That's also something Dr. Gross and I debated quite a bit when we were starting out. So, in short, um, we looked at population level cancer mortality rates rather than adjusting for the incidence of a given cancer because of that reason I was discussing earlier where countries that screen more aggressively may be detecting cancers that are indolent or not so aggressive. Um, So purely taking or adjusting for the incidence of cancer across countries uh, was something that we felt that would introduce more bias than we wanted. And so we ultimately decided to purely look at cancer mortality rates. I will say, though, that we did adjust uh, for smoking rates across different countries. So, countries that smoke less will have lower cancer incidence and mortality. And so, that is something that we tried to adjust for within our study.
2: Yeah. The the thing that I was getting at was really in terms of the cost, Uh, the higher the incidence, you would expect that the higher the proportion of the healthcare budget would be going towards cancer. We're going to have to pick up on this conversation right after we take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about the cost of cancer care and how that relates to outcomes with my guests, Dr. Carrie Gross and Ryan Chow.
0: Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital, where you can view videos from their integrative medicine team by searching Yale Cancer Center integrative medicine playlist on YouTube. There are over 16.9 million cancer survivors in the U.S. and over 240,000 here in Connecticut. Completing treatment for cancer is a very exciting milestone, but cancer and its treatment can be a life-changing experience. The return to normal activities and relationships may be difficult and cancer survivors may face other long-term side effects of cancer, including heart problems, osteoporosis, fertility issues, and an increased risk of second cancers. Resources for cancer survivors are available at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as the Yale Cancer Center and its Milo Cancer Hospital, to keep cancer survivors well and focused on healthy living. The Smilo Cancer Hospital Survivorship Clinic focuses on providing guidance and direction to empower survivors to take steps to maximize their health, quality of life, and longevity. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio.
2: Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guests, Dr. Kerry Gross and Ryan Chow. We're talking about the cost of cancer care in the U S and so right before the break, we were talking about the study that uh, Carrie and Ryan just published recently, really looking at the U S healthcare system compared to other high income countries and the cost of care, particularly the cost of cancer care and how that really relates to mortality. So Carrie, in terms of the cost of care, um, you, your finding really was that um, the U.S. spends more per capita than any other country on the face of the planet. And when you multiply the proportion of that overall healthcare care budget uh, times the proportion spent on cancer care, which was relatively equal amongst all of the uh, countries that you compared, um, the U.S. still spends more. Is that right?
1: Yeah, uh, and quite a bit more. So we're spending about $200 billion per year on cancer care in the U.S. And on the average per person, that's not per person with cancer, but just per person in the U.S., You know that comes out to around uh, $600 per person we're spending on cancer care. And this compares to the um, average amongst the other wealthy, these are all uh, wealthy, industrialized, uh countries in the global global north in our sample um the average was about $300 per person being spent on cancer care and some of these countries were were down to 200 um per person so when we're thinking about the 200 billion dollars per year being spent on cancer in the US and the fact that that's you know, three times per capita seen in other countries. It's also really important to think about the experience of patients with cancer and how, for many of them, uh, they're struggling struggling to pay for these new therapies. You know, in some studies, uh, you know, up to a quarter of patients with cancer are, are going in, into debt.
2: So, but just to clarify that, when you talk about $600 per capita, um, two questions. First of all, that's an annual expense, correct? Yes. And second, is that $600 um, borne by the healthcare system? In other words, is that the amount that the government is paying out as part of Medicare? Or is that the total amount in terms of what industry is paying, what pharma is paying, what hospitals are paying? Or is it what individuals are paying? And if it is the latter, does it include all of the ancillary costs? So, you know, when you think about healthcare costs, certainly there are the costs of your copays and your deductibles, but then there's also the other costs, right? The time off of work, the child care and, and everything else. So what really were the costs that were looked at?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So for this study, we focused on the big picture, global cost of um, basically all interactions with the healthcare system, whether somebody was Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, but when somebody went and received some form of care that relates to cancer, uh, what did the cost come out to? And just to be clear, that $600 per person, that's not $600 per patient with cancer, that's $600 for each and every one of the 300 million people in the U.S. So everyone, if if you were to spread out the, the investment in cancer across the entire population. That's what it comes out to. And as far as the yeah the time costs, the out-of-pocket costs, I, I saw one study that just published a couple of years ago that estimated that the out-of-pocket costs um, after insurance and, and everything um, was covering um, as much as it could. Um, or over $16 billion per year for patients with cancer. And the same study estimated the time cost with cancer, meaning the cost of actually going to and from treatments, cost of missed work, et cetera, uh, were about $5 But I think that's a gross underestimate, to be honest with you. I think um, we're not properly understanding or measuring um, the, the time cost uh, that, that, it, that it takes to, to deal with cancer.
2: And so... You know, Ryan, when we think about costs, and we'll we'll get to benefits in a minute, but I I really want to dig into the the cost side of things because I, you know, there's a, a difference between Carrie when you quoted I think you quoted it was two hundred billion dollars right six hundred dollars per yeah. person spread out over the population so you can imagine for each cancer patient given the fact that cancer doesn't affect every single individual. For a given cancer patient, that $600 is probably more like, you know, two grand Um, when we think about the number of people who get cancer in this country. individually. But so, so the cost, Ryan, just to clarify, that is not just the out-of-pocket costs for these individuals, but it also includes the costs that are borne by other sectors of the healthcare system. Is that right? Or is it only the out-of-pocket costs for individuals?
3: Right. So it it does reflect the total healthcare spending, not just out-of-pocket costs. Um, So that would include a lot of these drugs do have some degree of insurance coverage. And so the total cost of those drugs is factored into our our cost estimates, not just what the patient pays out-of-pocket. Yeah.
2: Because certainly you know, the the insurance company has a cost and, and the patient not only has their out-of-pocket costs, but they also have their deductibles and so on and so forth. And so, Carrie, before we transition back to Ryan to talk more about the benefits, just to clarify as well, this was not just about medications. This was about hospital stays. It was about surgeries. It was about radiation treatments. It was about, was it about Things like physical therapy, uh, occupational therapy, which are also often part of that multidisciplinary cancer care.
1: Yeah, that's the key question: um, is what is the what are the contributors to the overall cost and the variation across countries? And we're not able to answer that in this study because we uh, we focused on the big picture overall: how much is being spent on cancer care. Um, And one thing I've noticed over the course of my career, um, there's a a lot of finger pointing happens. Uh, I've noticed that the pharmaceutical industry loves to point out that uh, how expensive hospitals are, and hospitals love to point out how much how expensive the drugs are, and then radiation oncologists uh, they they compare their their cost to um, you know other non radiation treatments. So I mean, all of these uh, different components. Uh, add up substantially, and they're each important contributors. Um, One thing I'm hoping is to, A, uh, further clarify how these vary across countries, um, uh, the different contributors to cancer costs. But, B, hopefully um, we'll (laughs) one day be able to get away from the finger-pointing idea because I think it's very easy to point out um, how how important it is to look for cost savings elsewhere, and uh, we could encourage more uh, of the different sectors to... um, roll up their sleeves and try to dial down costs in their own areas.
2: And so, Ryan, you know, transitioning now to really thinking about the benefits, we know that the U.S. spends an inordinate amount of money on health care and, and proportionately an inordinate amount on cancer care. So what did you find in terms of the actual benefit? Are are our outcomes in the U.S. substantially better than other high-income countries?
3: Yeah, so the short answer is no, the US is not necessarily doing that much better than other high-income countries. Um, So to give you more of the the data behind that, so across these high-income countries Mm -hmm. that we looked at, the median mortality rate is about 91 deaths from cancer per 100,000 people in a year. Um, And so in the US, that was 86 deaths from cancer per 100,000. And so, that put the US at about 7th lowest out of 22 countries, so it's doing better than the median country. Um, But there is a caveat here and that has to do with smoking. So, as I mentioned, smoking is a major risk factor for cancer mortality and this is an area that the US has actually done a really good job on historically where the US smoking rate is much lower than a lot of other um, industrialized nations. And so, if we account for that variation in smoking rates across countries, we actually find that the US cancer mortality rate is then only 10th lowest, and it's actually pretty much comparable to the median high-income in- high country. Um, so bringing together what we were talking about with costs and now thinking about mortality, the US is spending twice as much on cancer care as the average high-income in- country, but you know cancer mortality rates in the US are basically comparable to the average. Um, so that tells us that you know, there are still a lot of opportunities and areas for improving Uh, the U.S. cancer care ecosystem that can really help patients live longer and better and ideally at a more affordable price as well.
2: So, Carrie, then the obvious question, right, is who was the winner uh, in terms of outcomes versus cost? I mean, there was somebody.
1: So, yeah, there were several um, in that um, domain, uh, Korea, Finland, Iceland, Spain, Sweden, uh, you know, countries with national health systems, countries that have um, good, uh, pr- you know, prevention and, and screening efforts, um, but also some of these countries, they might have had some of them um, have higher smoking rates than the U.S. And um, you know, many of these countries benefited from the fact that uh, the U.S. has such a robust research infrastructure um, and, and uh, Many of the new cancer treatments used across the world are generated in the u s so you know by these important metrics looking at cost and survival, there are several countries that are doing better, but also it 's important to understand what we 're doing so well here you know we are we have uh, low smoking rates, we have excellent cancer research, we have good um, cancer screening rates um, so I, I think we can all learn from um, what each other countries are doing, and uh, you know I'm just concerned that some, <laughs> to be honest, I, know, I haven't said this yet. The the origin of this particular study is um, dates back to a different study that was roughly 10 years ago that um, was just a very Pollyanna-ish study that looked at survival after a cancer diagnosis. And Ryan. Described earlier why that can be problematic. That, you know, if some countries have higher cancer screening rates than others, um, that uh, it could be deceptive. It could make it look like uh, maybe you have better cancer outcomes. But this old study um, uh, looked at cancer survival rates and, uh, and said that the US was doing better than everybody else. So the higher costs are worth it. And as, you know, all this data kept coming in about financial toxicity and concerns about whether. Um, drugs are effective in the real world as they were in the initial studies. Um, other um, studies coming in showing that maybe other countries are doing better with their population level mortality really just kept um, driving home this question that we have to really uh, learn from, from different national approaches to, to health care, to wellness, and to uh, you know, payment reform.
0: Dr. Kerry Gross is a professor of medicine and of epidemiology, and Ryan Chow is an MD-PhD student at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is at Yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital.